49ers fans. This is 49ers fangirl Tracy here, as always, with SoCali Steph. Hello, Steph. Hey, Tracy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Great. And we are joined by a very special guest, Michael Erler from SB Nation and Fan Rag Sports Network. Hello, Michael. Hello, how are you? I am doing well. I'm very excited we have you on today. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Well, uh, as you've probably all heard, the 49ers fired coach Jim Tomsula. Jed York had a press conference to talk about it and to apologize for the season. And now we have a head coaching search ahead of us. So I guess that's it. Thanks for joining us. No, just kidding. Um, but we all want to talk about that and share our perspective, etc. So I am going to start with Michael, as he is our guest. Well, um, I know he apologized, and I guess that's good. And uh, I was proud of him for at least learning to not use the A word, which is accountability, because he got raked over the coals so much for you know, for using accountability multiple times and then kind of like with uh, Brian Murphy and then admitting at the very end of that interview that he really, you know, didn't even know what accountability meant in the sense that there was no way for for fans to really, you know, punish him or hold him accountable in any, any meaningful way. So he, he kind of admitted at the end of that interview that it was an empty platitude. So he was smart enough and today to not use to not utter the word accountability again, but I still think he kind of nullified whatever apology he was attempting to make by not understanding that the the root cause of the team's, um, you know, the team's problems was its roster, not its coach. And I think, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think Tom Sula was a good coach at all, but I don't think Jim Harbaugh or, you know, anyone else you care to mention, you know, Bill Belichick, whoever, was going to get more than seven or eight wins out of this roster. I just don't think it was a very good roster from top to bottom. Uh, I mean, you have Blaine Gabbert playing half the games for crying out loud. And there were just so many injuries and the free agent class put together by, by Trent Balski was a disaster. And, you know, with Reggie Bush and Jerome Simpson, Eric Pears, people like that. And the draft class was mostly disappointing. And when you combine all those things, I just think, uh, I don't know if the media is necessarily giving Trent Balski a pass, but it sure seems like ownership is giving Trent Balski a pass for the roster they put together, and it's been on a decline since since 2012, really. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective. Um, you know, I I hear what you're saying, and I don't think you're wrong, and I, I also agree that Harbaugh or anybody else was – it would probably have been 8-8 eight and eight again. I think, I think Harbaugh may have been able to get a little bit more out of the young guys, but obviously we'll never know. Um, I don't know if he's giving Balky a pass. I think Balky gets a longer leash and more reins than everybody else because he's obviously a trusted person to Jed and to the York family. Uh, but I – heard him talk today and maybe I heard the quotes differently but I did hear him speak about building a roster that he has seen that Trent can do it I don't think he thought that this roster was it Um, and I I thought that there was some acknowledgement that this was kind of a mess of a season all the way around Um, and then later on Trent Baalke I think sort of acknowledged that when he spoke to reporters later in the day, but I, I don't disagree with you. This is not a strong roster, and there's so much work to be done. 
Um, my hope would be with a uh, competent and appropriate head coach that that coach with Trent Baalke would be able to put together a championship caliber roster. I don't expect them going to a Super Bowl next year, but at least a roster that is building towards that direction. I personally am not a very big Trent Baalke fan. Like, I think he's made a lot of mistakes. I think he shoots a lot from the hip, especially when it comes to the draft. I think he tries to shock people into thinking that he is, like, two steps above that pick. And I'm by no means a fan. But at the same time, like, I can't completely disvalue what Balky has done. He's done a lot of good things, including draft players, but I think a lot of people wouldn't pick in those positions. So I personally think that, well, I don't think he's perfect. I do think that Chet is a good GM. I just think that he focuses on a different type of player, and I think it's all defensive. I think he definitely has his, um, his, I don't know, let's say his problems, but I think that they can be corrected as long as he's also directed from a coach standpoint. The problem I see with Tom Fleming in that role is that he really doesn't have that head on his shoulder to direct Donkey in that way. So I think that that's where the success was when we had Harbaugh, who was a headstrong coach who fought for players to put his foot down, and I think they found success together. And unfortunately, that hasn't been replicated because of obvious reasons, but I don't think it necessarily means that Trent felt he's a bad judgment of players or player ability. I just think that that hasn't worked for him this season. Well, I just think, I mean, if you go, if you look at the record, Trent Dupke has had a longer spell, uh, a longer cold spell than Jim Harbaugh has, for example. I, I think you could argue Jim Harbaugh had a bad season, you know, relative to his job in 2014, whereas whereas Trent Baalke has really done a poor job from 2012 on. Don't get me wrong, Trent Baalke had maybe one of the all-time great seasons any executive, any personal executive in any sport has had in 2011, that was a master class where with, with not just the drafts with uh, Alden Smith and Colin Kaepernick, uh, guys like Kendall Hunter, Chris Culliver, um, uh, uh, Bruce Miller, uh, you know, and then you, and then you have on top of it, free agents like Carlos Rogers, Dante Whitner, David Akers, Jonathan Goodwin, all these guys really contributed to that contending team for the next three years. You know, you hear this... Uh, you hear this uh, um, narrative about how the team was ready to build, you know, already built to contend when Jim Harbaugh got there, you know, and all Jim Harbaugh did was, you know, take it over the hump. But it's just a false narrative. That team changed dramatically, that roster changed dramatically and added a lot of talent between 2010 and 2011. So, I mean, I think, and Harbaugh, and Bosky deserves a big, you know, a lot of credit for that, for the talent he added in 2011. Yeah. But, but since then, but since then, the Midas touch has left him. His 2012 draft was an all-time terrible draft, and he hasn't really had too many. He hasn't really had too many uh, hits since then. He's had a. Uh, you, you could argue Lynch was pretty good. You, uh, Eric Reed, um, maybe uh, Jacquisky Tart this year. Uh, Carlos Hyde certainly, but there have been a lot of misses in the draft, 
and his free agent classes since 2011 have been even worse. I mean, they've been out and out horrible free agent classes that have brought almost nothing to the league. Even the Super Bowl season 2012, I mean, he missed with Mario Manningham, he missed with Brandon Jacobs. Uh, you know, Randy Moss didn't give him too much. And and then 2013 has been worse, and 2014 has been worse after that, and 2015 was an outright disaster. And it's just, I think I think Harbaugh kind of saw in 2014 where this was headed, where the roster was kind of dying on the vine, where the veterans were getting too old, and the young players weren't there to replace them properly. And so I don't think he made too much of fuss about uh, the way ownership was kind of using him as a scapegoat, because he kind of saw where the roster was headed, and he's, he's a smart enough guy, enough guy to know, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken, you know, chicken poop. And even, <laughs> and even chicken, and even chicken, and even chicken salad, next way. I mean, who wants chicken salad? By the way, that was and such they, that was such a Harbaughism right there. too but you know you know different strokes Again, this could be totally naivete, um, and it could be the fan in me. This season was such a disaster all the way around, and I don't think there's any denying that from anybody, um, that I could see Trent Balky hiring a coach who says to him, I'm going to have to share personnel decisions with you, and Trent compromising on that because he doesn't have another year like this. They have another year like this, he's going to be out of a job. He, and I, I would hope, and I think he is smart enough to recognize that. I've spent some time with Trent, and I do think he is a smart football guy, and, and I think he does want this team to be good because um, he doesn't have another year. If he has another free agent class like this, another bad draft, and he hires a coach that will only do what he says, he's not going to be working for the 49ers next year, and I think it would be hard for him to get a GM job anywhere else. I just think if he, I'm not saying, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm, but I would think if he has another disastrous free agency, makes a mishire on coaching and has another disastrous draft and thinking about what Michael has said, and you definitely brought that point home of how many years he's had bad drafts and free agencies. 
I think that 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 makes it more difficult. In my yeah, opinion, I think that there's definitely. I mean, when after a really really bad season. And after someone that you promoted for so long and didn't talk about it, you have your basically handing the keys, you know, the paperwork all over to this one man. I think there's explosive trust in him. And whether he sells or not, I think that in, in the 49ers and the execs and the ownership may be remiss in this, but I, I just think it totally points to their confidence in York. You mean their confidence in Balky? Oh no, I think he has. I think no, I think they have complete confidence in Balky. I'm not saying they don't, and I think, and I also like Balky. But what I'm saying is, if he has another disastrous year, then his head could also be on the chopping block. That's all I'm saying. I think they have complete confidence in him, and I think that's why he's turning the coaching search to him. I think that's why, as York said today, he's stepping back and putting more of his trust in Balky. Um, but I'm just saying, I think it would be hard to bounce back from a second disastrous year. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's just a case of the owner uh, running out of people to blame. I mean, it's not like the next coach they hire, they can fire after one season. I mean, that's just not going to happen. That's just not realistic. So... So if next season is a disaster, like Tracy says, then the GM has to be the one who, who goes. Mm-hmm. And but I think the interesting thing is about as, as far as the coach goes is, I mean, is even Ted Balky said himself that there are no in-house candidates. So they kind of are under the pressure. They're kind of under pressure, like public pressure, internal pressure, to I think to go back to, to a big name candidate. Mm-hmm. And obviously the name you hear is Sean Payton. Which makes a lot of sense, given that he has ties to Bill Parcells, and Ken Balky has ties to Bill Parcells, and he's an offensive mind. So it makes sense for all those reasons. The, the only thing about it that doesn't make sense is that he would be he would be twice as expensive as Jim Harbaugh was, and supposedly, you know, there were reports out there that that Jed York bought that even. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's asking price of five years and twenty-five million, which is what it cost to get him in the first place, and and, and you know, and Peyton's going to cost twice that, plus maybe a draft pick compensation to uh, New Orleans. So, but there, there are other people out there. There's there's Chip, uh, there's Chip Kelly, you know, there's, there's guys like that. There's there are offensive guys out there. I think I absolutely think their next coach will be a name. And the interesting thing is, I don't think the Niners are going to necessarily surprise us with who they end up hiring because. That just isn't their history. The last two coaches have been exactly the people that everybody thought they would hire. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was the big name out there to get after in 2011, and he was clearly the number one target, and they went out and got him. For a while, it looked hairy because um, Miami made a competitive offer for him, too. But in the end, they did get, get him, and he was their number one guy. And then and then last year, Tom Sula was obviously the number one guy. And, uh, and I, you know... I. Jed York has shown, a, shown a, that he can get the guy he wants to get to be the coach. It's just, it's just, it hasn't always been the right guy. But so I think the pattern will kind of continue, and he'll go back to to a big name candidate, like big name outside candidate, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll just have to see if it works. A big uh, big thing that came out a little bit later in the day t- uh, was Hugh Jackson, and they have requested to interview him, who I think could also end up being a good fit for this team and for the organization. Um, 
So that will be an interesting one to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, it's just the organizational philosophy has always been to kind of keep things close to the vest. And even Harbaugh was pretty good about that. Like Harbaugh would say goofy things and funny things and outrageous things at times, but he was always very good about keeping things close to the vest as far as personnel moves, injuries, things of that nature. And that's right in line with the organizational philosophy. That's certainly right in line with Bosky's philosophy. And I don't know if Hugh Jackson is uh, it would fit that mold. I think Hugh Jackson a little bit more open in that regard and like a little more freer with uh, comments with the media. And like just like uh, like for that reason, I don't. I never, I never really thought that Big Fangio would be a good coaching candidate because uh, if you mm-hmm. if you saw his press conferences when he was the defense coordinator all these years, he was always the most open, honest one of, of any of them. Uh, Greg Roman never gave gave us anything. I mean, Greg, Ro- Greg, Greg Roman didn't say one interesting thing in four years. But, uh, but and then Jim Harbaugh really didn't chill too much. But, but, I love Jim Harbaugh. But, but, Vic Fangio, but no, I mean, you, you, no, Harbaugh was certainly a personality. He was certainly charismatic, but he wasn't very revealing of, uh, of his intentions at times. Whereas, uh, whereas, Fangio always told you exactly what he felt about players, who was playing well, who was playing poorly, you know, and opponents and things of that nature. And I just don't think his, I don't, I just don't think uh, the York the York family would have felt very comfortable with his, with him as like the the face of the franchise in that regard. And I don't know if uh, they would feel that way about uh, Hugh Jackson either. I, you know, I I disagree to a small extent. I think that they're definitely about the, what the public perceives. I think they really do care a lot about what the public what the media perceives them as. And I think that's one huge reason that. Just York has really backed off from the, you know, the local media is because he cares. He's really like sensitive to what is said on that front. So he goes to his people that he knows personally, so they'll think of things. That being said, like I think that as long as that coach can sell it, like Harbaugh did, we never had a lot of things Harbaugh said that weren't all that masked. It was just having to understand his harmonisms and all of it, you know what I mean? But they weren't that masked. I mean, he was very forthright with some things. And, but as long as he kept it entertaining and lovable, I think that they were fine with that. But the minute that he became, you know, they were willing to put up with his personality as so long as he wants the party. And I do agree um, with the whole thing with York saying that he really cares about the volume because I do think obviously everybody cares who they work with. I think everybody wants to like who they work with, especially if you're working close term. But at the same time, like if they're a good worker and they do their job, they're gonna kinda keep off their back. And those idiosyncrasies aren't gonna bother you as much as long as they keep doing their job. So in my viewpoint, I think that even Harbaugh would have lost this longer if he didn't rub those, you know, those feathers a little bit. If he rubbed those feathers less, I guess my point. So this, that being said, I think they're, they're definitely considering personality, but I do think that they really want to win the ballgame. So I, I definitely see that, and if he doesn't, he's not. Wait, Steph, what, did, what was the last thing you said? I didn't hear you. I just think that Jed York really wants to win those football games. Oh, okay. And if he doesn't, then he's not. 
Oh, I think he does want to win football games. And I got the impression today, I really feel like he's been humbled. I'm not saying he's perfect, and obviously it's a lot easier to say something than change your whole behavioral pattern. It's easier to say you will than change it. But he looked like a humbled man, and I think he learned a lot this season. And I actually think that a lot of that came in these last few games. I feel like it was those late games, terrible losses to the Browns and the Lions that really kind of drove home to him just how big a mistake, how many mistakes he's he's made um, with this team. But I do agree with you. I do think he wants to win, and he wants us to be a good team. And I don't think he just cares about the money. And his, I mean, obviously he cares about the money, but as long as the billions are rolling in, he doesn't really care how the team performs. I don't believe that's true, and I, I feel like we saw that today in the press conference. I mean, I agree in the sense that I think uh, York is capable of learning and capable of being chastened. And I think the next coach, uh, he's going to go. He's going to make sure that the next coach is not a problem for him as far as personality. And he's going to stay out of the coach's way if there are any personality conflicts. But the thing, to, to, the thing I'm looking at is it's not just about whether York can work with the next coach because really that's not important. The, what's important is if Balki can work with the coach, if Balki can, can handle the personality conflicts, and where you know York can kind of stay out of the way, stay out of the coach's way, and just sign checks, Balki can't do that. They have to work close together. So I, I, I wonder about the fit with somebody like you know with a Hugh Jackson or Sean Payton or or Chip Kelly or whoever you know in that regard. I just don't know if Balki can handle. You know, a big personality because I, I, I think guys who are really good at their jobs, coaches who are really good at their jobs, and big personalities and confident are guys that might necessarily rub uh, rub Bowski the wrong way. Because I, I think he probably got along great with Tom Sula just because Tom Sula let him do his job and didn't have that big personality. But then you saw what happened on the field. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think I think. Bob, I think Bob, you want somebody he can kind of push around and be the clear guy, like on you know atop the organizational organizational uh, chain. But but any big name coach will kind of not allow that to happen. I don't I don't get that at all about him. I know he's a very quiet dude and he definitely has his opinions, but I don't think that he still choose to like think that he knows every single thing. I think that. The very fact that he went to Harbaugh in the first place and asked for suggestions shows that he's willing to learn. And, you know, despite his record with scouting, I mean, that's all he really has to fall back on is scouting when you have to. I mean, if you're going to be a successful GM, you have to look at the football side of things. And you have to look at former players and people that have played the game. And I think that... While he may have been obtuse in the past, maybe thought, you know, hey, I can look at this coach, you know, Jim Tonka is playing and those players and, you know, is a guy's guy. I think at some point, a GM, a good GM, realizes that he needs to reach out equal medium with the football side to make sure that this player can be coached up. This player is a defense. This player is going to understand what it's like to win and lose and steal that and understand what it is like to play as a team and understand game-changing momentum. There's a, 
so many different variables in football that I don't think it just comes to talent. And a good team understands that and knows that a coach plays for that. So I'm at least hoping that he can find a good medium with a successful coach that understands the game so that they can complement each other. I mean, that's ideally what you want in any kind of profession. You want someone that compliments you and makes you look better. And if Trent Alpia is smart, he would do that. And I, my understanding too, and just from you know different things I've heard, is that Tom Sulo is much more York's choice than Balky's choice. Yeah. Balky wanted Adam Gase, um, right? And so I, th- and that's why I think at this point Jed has said I'm out of the coaching search and I'm leaving it to Trent because that, you know, Balky wanted Ed- Adam Gase apparently reportedly, um, and then at the eleventh hour. York said, okay, but then he has to hire Tom Sula as this defensive coordinator, and Adam Gase said, no thanks, um, which may have been less about, it was probably partly about Tom Sula, but also you may not want to work for an organization where the owner makes those kind of demands, and you don't get to pick your staff. Um, so I would hope that Balky, I, I agree with Steph, I think Balky is smart enough to know what he needs in a coach and what he needs to do and that he is going to have to be able to work with someone and even a big personality. Those big personalities end up being the best coaches oftentimes. And there was a reason for that. Yeah, well, I mean, no, I understand the part about Gates, but he was also not a very uh, big-name candidate last year. I mean, he still didn't have any head coaching experience. So, and I think his stock has kind of risen this year. But your point about uh, about them insisting on Tom Sula to be the defense coordinator is well taken. But at the same time, I mean, there were stories that, you know, Trent Balky this year was moonlighting as a de facto assistant secondary coach in his spare time. And I just don't think, yeah, yeah, those stories were out there. That uh, he was, he was, uh, he was trying to get him on meetings and coach up defensive backs and things like that. And I just don't think the next coach is going to want to have anything to do with anybody, you know, and maybe, maybe the next coach. I mean, a GM should not be doing that. But perhaps with the next coach, the GM would not feel like he needs to be doing that. I'm sure yeah, that's they like need to def- they need to beef up their coaching staff with the next hire. I mean, regardless. Um, I agree. So you know, kind of some closing thoughts. What do you think? What do you have hope uh, for the 49ers' future? Do you think we are going to see big changes just in terms of the way things are run and handled? Or do you think a year from now we're going to be like, well, that was a great press conference last year, but nothing's changed? Steph, I'll start with uh, you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Steph. <laughs> Me? Yeah, okay. we're going to start with you.
it's really hard to believe anything from this organization anymore. And I feel like I just want to be shown it. Like, you can tell me all these things. You can tell me everything you want and make it sound really good. And I'm not going to say that what Jed York didn't say wasn't meaningful. I felt like he was absolutely contrite. And that was a welcome change because it's not something I've seen before. So I was really impressed with his ability to own it and own his mistakes and say that he's made a mistake and say, hey, this is the reason I made this mistake is because I was really reaching out there. And yeah, I thought I could get it done and it didn't work out. That being said, I'm helping Mr. and this is what I'm firing. And this, you know, this is, I think, what we wanted to hear last year with, with the whole Harbaugh thing. It's just, we're not getting to, you know, we're not getting together, you know, internally, I think the fans are, you know, old enough adults to understand how, why and why that would happen. I'm not saying everyone would love you, but I think that people wanted the truth. So I think we got a little bit of truth and that was good. But at this point, I'm just waiting and seeing because I want to see what they can do at this juncture. i kind of over the fact that I'm going to believe you and take your word. I just want to see what you do. So next, I'm just seeing who they bring in for their coaching hires and see what they decide. And the staff is huge for me. Like, yes, the head coach is obviously important, but who they bring in to run that, you know, really fragile organization is going to be really huge. Michael? Yeah, I mean, I agree you have to be optimistic because for no other reason, they really only have one direction to go. Uh, I mean, it can't get much worse uh, without getting, you know, thrown out of the... I mean, this isn't English soccer. They can't get relegated. Uh, but, I mean, I think they will hire a big-name coach, and I think they will spend money on, on free agency. How they do in the draft, I cannot predict, but quarterback, uh, you know, a quarterback should certainly be available to them at number seven because most of the teams drafting above them don't really need a quarterback that badly outside of maybe Cleveland. So I think there's potential for them to improve the roster, certainly. And I, like I said, I do I do believe that their coach will be a name we've heard of. You know, a person with prior experience, even in the NFL. But um, what I would like to see from York personally is have one press conference where he announces the coach and then stick to his pledge after that of not talking <laughs> not talking to anybody, either on, on or off the record, on social media or publicly, and because nothing good come, could come of him talking publicly, because every time he does, it just gets spun either directly or indirectly into him, into him you know, blaming past things on other people. Because I thought, I thought the season got off to a, to a horrible start for Tom Sula before he even coached a preseason game. Because York had that ridiculous interview on com where he compared Tom Sula to Steve Kerr for crying out loud and just put him in an incredibly bad situation because, you know, Steve Kerr had, Steve Kerr had, you know, Stephen Curry and Draymond, Clay Thompson, and the Niners have all their best players retire. And he put him in such a bad situation. I just felt so bad for Tom Sula right there. Believe it or not, I actually had high hopes for Tom Sula because I believed, I believed what the players were saying. I believed that the players liked him. 
as you know, as an assistant coach all these years, that you know he was very popular in the locker room. I saw the way the team rallied around him in that season finale, and uh, after Mike Singletary got uh, fired, and uh, I think they like blew out Arizona like thirty-eight to six or something in that last game. And I really thought I, I never thought that Jim Tomsula would be a tactical genius, but I thought that he would let his I thought he would be, be a good CEO coach that he would let his coordinators coordinate and mostly stay out of the way and just handle the big picture stuff. But it was a lot bigger uh, disaster public, uh, you know, in the press conferences than I figured he would be. And his coordinators were a lot weaker than I thought they would be. I thought they would have a stronger coaching staff around him. And obviously, you know, we spent a whole podcast talking about how bad the roster was. So I think, I think uh, Jed York has to learn from all these things. You know, beef up the roster. That's, I mean, the players win or lose the games, not the coaches. The players who win or lose the games. Beef up the roster. Hire a big team coach and then stay out of the way and sign checks. That's all he has to do. If, if he starts leaking on the record or off the record, if he starts, you know, talking and blaming Harbaugh, because, I mean, the, 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 until they win a lot of games, this Harbaugh thing will never go away. And he has to understand that. It will never go away because it looks really bad when you when you sandwiched a 44-19 and run in four years, including a Super Bowl trip, with so much failure before and after. And then to fire a coach over basically, you know, personality issues rather than results, it looks really bad, and he has to understand that. And even today, he didn't take responsibility for he he he, he didn't take direct blame for, for for firing Harbaugh. He refused to get into it. He just said he made mistakes, but he he, he refused to admit that firing Harbaugh was a mistake. Yeah. And if he wants to hold that over his head. Yeah. do think Michael's right and st- until they start winning a lot of games it will be hung it will be hung over his head right or wrong um, so I guess we'll see I'm cautiously optimistic on next year um, Michael you said something that I think was really important and that's about the leaks and 
Jed York talked today about not tweeting all his feelings and not being a distraction, but it's not just about the things he says publicly. It's about the things that get leaked. Um, so that is something big that I will watch uh, just to see if they've truly changed. Hiring a big-name coach is going to be huge. Beefing up the roster is going to be huge. But to see if there's too, true change for long-term success in this organization, I think we'll have to see how things are handled. Yeah, and I don't really think it's going to be that different. I mean, Judge York has himself leaked a lot of information, and I know he won't admit it, but he has his, you know, media darlings in the national media that he talks to regularly and openly to, and it's all off the record. So I think he created a culture that the 49ers could talk to whoever they wanted to, so long as it was just it was the right people, people he trusted, but not, you know, not the local media. So the way I feel about it is he's creating a culture, and I'm really not surprised that his staff is kind of like falling suit. Yeah, that's the that's the really disappointing thing about Jet York is uh, how he plays uh, the media for fools, like local media. I'm talking about for fools and things that, or, or or even the fans really, and things that you know everyone is dumb enough to actually believe in when he says that there are no leaks coming out of the building. When I mean, when Jay Glazer was reporting that Jim Thompson was going to be fired the morning of the game, I mean, that that information is not coming from the towel boy. I mean, it's coming from, you know, higher people. And and York knows that. And York knows, has to know that, you know, the people with working brains understand that as, as well. And then for him to for him to say stuff like, well, Parag Marathi's role is not changing in the, in, the, in the building, but if I find out anybody's leaking, I'm going to get rid of them. It just it just sounds silly. It just sounds silly. It just, it just you know, when you, when you lose credibility when you say things like that because... They're direct uh, conflicts because I mean, I mean Marathi has, has talked to people, and York has talked to people, and everybody knows that they talk to people. And I mean, those were the, those were the guys where leaks were coming. And if they really want to grow up as an organization, instead of saying that the leaks aren't coming from our building, they just they'll just stop having leaks. Exactly. And and I think that kind of maturity is going to be the key to long-term success. Because otherwise, they will hire a big-name coach, and then they'll beef up the roster, and then something will happen two years from now, and then they'll want to fire the coach. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just the... But that's just like a... That's a maturity thing. Um, In my... You know, and I think that the leaks are part of that maturity. It's like the leaks are almost deeper than just the leaks themselves, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And really, I think it would behoove York a lot to hire, you know, somebody, you know, this generation's common policy, because mm-hmm. he keeps talking about he keeps talking about how much uh, how much he idolizes uh, his uncle Eddie DeBartolo and how much of a mentor Eddie DeBartolo was. Well, Eddie DeBartolo, even when Bill Walsh was, you know, by far the most successful coach in the history of the franchise, Eddie DeBartolo was on the verge of firing, you know, Bill Walsh a hundred times over for petty little personality things, not for, you know, for losing this regular season game or that regular season game, for really meaningless things in the big picture. And it was always Carmen Policy who talked Eddie DeBarlo off the ledge and prevented the Walsh show from getting fired, you know, countless times over. And and I think, I think you know, York needs somebody who can handle the media, who could be the, the face of the organization, like the concierge, 
between ownership and the coach, or between the GM and the coach, because clearly the GM is not interested in being a public person, which isn't ideal, but, you know, it's fine. And, you know, we'll have to see if he wants the coach to be the public person, but that's not always the best thing either for various reasons, because when the coach is dissatisfied with the organization in ways that Harbaugh was, he makes it public. And that's not what you want. So I think I think hiring a person like policy, you know, not, I mean, this generation's policy, not policy specifically, but, you know, an older person who's been around, I think that would help York a great deal. And I think it would help the franchise a great deal. I could not agree more. I actually, I talked about it on a video I did a couple weeks ago. Um, I could not agree more. I think that that is imperative to the success of the organization. So there we have it. Uh, it's 2016. We are in the post Jim era, post Jim Harbaugh, post post Jim Tomsula, and we'll see if um, York puts his money where his mouth is, literally and figuratively. Um, and if he chooses to not open his mouth when not necessary. <laughs> okay. We can do a bet. Jay, do you, like, I'll bet you $20 that he at least tweets something before game six. Okay. I'll take that bet. Like, emotional. Like, emotionally. Okay. I'll you take know, like, that bet. Say, that was a fun win. Or he'll say something like... This is not acceptable or something like that. I don't think you can do it. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it's your bet. Michael, do you want in on this bet? <laughs> Only if they find a way to schedule uh, the University of Michigan between now and then. <laughs> Dream come true. Go blue. Um, all right, well. She's a, she's a go blue girl. I went to Michigan. Oh, there you go. So, all right, everybody heard the bet. We will check in around game six next season. Uh, hold us to it. Um, this has been great. Michael, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I think your perspectives and viewpoint is, is really just fantastic. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, thank you. You offer a lot of different viewpoints, and I think that's fantastic. Well, thanks for having me. I had fun. Absolutely. And Steph, thank you as always. Of course. Keep in love. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Go Niners. Go Niners.